Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Pet Cast. I am your host James and today we are looking at the episode Heart of Parkness. Now before we get started, I'm going to offer you a little piece of advice. Do not podcast on an empty stomach. It's just not worth it. I would assume cuz I I just ate before but I was like really hungry before when I was taking notes. And like doing the podcast like this, I oh no. No, that that's not good at all. So we begin at the pet shop where it is raining in downtown city. I'm going to keep that in because that sentence makes sense, even though I'm not really sure if it was grammatically correct. So the pets are all chanting to try to make the rain go away. Blythe doesn't really like the chanting and finds it weird, so she asks them to stop. Minnie says that uh, they're willing to try anything to get rid of the rain. And uh, apparently it's been raining for like three days straight. And the pets are sick of it. And Minka starts getting hyperactive. She says she's going to have a big old freak out. But Blythe points out that that's her usual behavior. So it's not very surprising. Sunil then comes over and says he prefers to be inside. It gives him time to do stuff like stack the paper Minka keeps shredding. Minka dives into the different piles of paper which are separated by color. You know what? You know what? I didn't think I'd say something like that at this point in the podcast. But they are separated by color. Red, blue, and yellow are colors. It's just weird when you get to different parts of this episode to say separated by color. (laughs) It's just... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, just after Minka jumps into the pile of papers, and thanks Sunil for helping her relax, Russell then calls out Sunil for just being scared. Sunil says he's not, and asks, when have I ever been scared of something that happened outside? And then the pets just list off different things. It's just an untangible mess. Sunil just says he prefers the indoors to cover for himself, but everyone knows what's up. So, this as sort of the premise to rustle up some fun where everyone's just accusing Russell of being uptight and they keep bringing it up but instead of Russell it's Neil and instead of uptight it's afraid it's kind of like that I just think that's weird (laughs) So, anyway, Blythe promises that she'll take everyone to the park once it stops raining. Sunil thinks he's staying behind in this venture, but Blythe says that everyone's going, 
quote unquote, just like always. That is a bit inconsistent because there were times when Blythe brought out one or two pets by themselves. Like, um, like I know for sure in Blythe's crush, oddly enough, it keeps coming back to it. Uh, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Do not worry. We're gonna talk about that. Okay. Uh, like in Blaith's crush, uh, she just brought Zoe out, and I know in um another episode that gets a called back later in this episode, uh, Blaith's pet project. She just took Pepper out on her own, and I mean there have been other times, but those are the two that jump out to me which is weird which is weird because we're gonna get into some stuff as you have seen okay okay so um Blythe says that they should just stop chanting because you know they're gonna go outside once the rain is over so um without chanting they're at a loss for how to make the rain go away. Except for Vinny, who says they should blow it back up into the sky. Zoe says that's a terrible idea, but Pepper's like, you got any better ideas? So they try. They try to blow the rain back up into the sky. That's, that's not how rain works. Like, at all. Like, these pets can watch TV, but they haven't seen an episode of the Magic School Bus? They explain the rain cycle, like, I think once in the original and once in the reboot. But... Yeah, like, I mean... Like, seven pets, and none of them have watched Magic School Bus? Come on! Russell Russell would be so into the Magic School Bus. <laughs> Come on, the Russell... <laughs> like, I, they should all be into the Magic School Bus. Magic School Bus rules! I t why am I on <laughs> about Magic School Bus all of a sudden? <laughs> okay, okay... <laughs> Oh boy. So, <laughs> at the largest ever pet shop, Fisher is walking in excited because he has a buyer for an Indian water cobra. So, uh, he walks in telling uh, his daughters, the twins, <laughs> uh, this, as he thinks it's exciting news, and technically it is. So, uh, Fisher can't find his daughters anywhere, so he goes into his office to look at the cobra. But, uh, inside the cobra, um, container is a bunch of makeup. Like, a whole lot of it. Like, like a reasonable pile of it. You know, 
It's, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of it. So, Fisher is now yelling about his missing Cobra. And, uh, well, I'll just give you what he says and you have to figure it out. He says, Cobra? Cobra? Cobra! You know, I just realized that that could be two different references. But the one I picked out from it was Metal Gear Solid. Although the one I just realized now could be um, uh, G.I. Joe. What was I thinking? Cobra Command. Cobra Command? Hold on, I need to look this up now. I'm not the best when it comes to G.I. Joe, and I'm that, I mean, I haven't really watched G.I. Joe. Although, looking it up, there seems to be a lot more than just, like, the initial show. There's a lot of stuff for G.I. Joe. Which, good for G.I. Joe, but... It's it's either Cobra or Cobra Command. Either way... <laughs> oh, right. Right. This scene... Well, not the scene itself. Just, um... Well, I'll get into it. So, the twins walk in. We're listening to music from, like... Like an MP3 or iPod or Zune or whatever you have. Something like that. In 2013, which I assume the show takes place in the modern era. And, like, they're rich. They could just afford a smartphone. Which... They have, and that becomes a thing later in this episode. So why do they have like a like a, a like specific music player? But that's not even the weirdest thing about them listening to music. <laughs> so they have. The strangest set of headphones for this scene that I think I have ever seen. Ever. So, like, you know how, like, in a set of earbuds, if uh, two people want to listen out of the same set, you can just use that and listen in one ear each. So, sort of like that, except, like, instead of one person getting one earbud, they get two. So there's four, four listening holes. But we're not finished, because instead of earbuds they're like proper over the head headphones so 
this has to be really cumbersome to just walk around or do anything with. Because, like, it's built into the thing. I will remind you. It is, you get, like, it's a split between two over-the-head headphones on the same cord. I don't think that's how headphones work either. Because, like, the thing is, there are, like, some audio tricks where one uh, side hears something and the other side hears something else. Generally, this isn't too much of a problem. But, like, when both sides of the head are getting, like, one that should be one side of the head. That seems really messy. But they don't care, because they're using it. It is weird. And just weird. So, they walk in, and they ask their dad to keep it down. But then they see their makeup on the floor and go like, our makeup, our makeup, our makeup. So, yeah, I guess the rotten apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. So the twins are upset about their new makeup organizer not being organized anymore. <laughs> so just just put a pin in that for now. Something comes up in a later episode that makes this not make too much sense. There's another thing in a later episode that might make this make sense. Kind of, it's weird. So, okay, now th- this is this is a weird thing that goes through three different episodes of uh, of weirdness. So there's this episode, the episode that might explain it, and then the episode that contradicts it. But, like, the explanation could solve the contradiction. Maybe. So, have fun waiting around for that. I will tell you, they're all in season two, so you don't have to wait terribly long, I don't think. So, just just put a pin in it for now. And then we'll slightly take it out later, and then we'll take it out all the way later and then just discuss this whole thing in that episode even though in that episode I think I'll have a million other things to discuss because that episode is is something <laughs> it's, it is something okay <laughs> Well, let's uh let's be like Fisher and say never mind that 
And then Fisher asks uh, them where the snake is. So the twins don't seem to know what he's talking about. So Fisher describes it as like green reptilian has no legs. And then once the twins know what uh, he's talking about, they revealed they let it out to make room for important things like makeup. After hearing that, Fisher runs through the store but can't find it. He deduces that the cobra left when he entered. Uh, the twins don't really care about the cobra and say something along the lines of whoever bought it would want to return it once they found out it didn't have any legs. But, uh, I, like, do the, do the twins just not look up anything before they buy it and then angrily return it? Are they that evil? I mean, of course, that's a rhetorical question. Of course, they're that evil. They're just, they're just evil. I, I know I said in the first episode that they're not really evil. But I was thinking of some later episodes where that might be the case. In the very early episodes. I guess all the way up to maybe season four-ish? And even then, they're still pretty freaking evil. <laughs> Just really, really the worst. So then uh, Fisher leaves the store and then says to himself, which I think might be the quote of the episode, <clears throat> Okay, Fisher, think like a snake. You've done it before. <laughs> I am... Very curious as to when he had to think like a snake before. <laughs> like, was he... Oh, wait. Was he, like, exotic animal hunting or tracking or whatever before opening the largest ever pet shop? And that's why he knows uh, how to track down rare animals and how people can do it well maybe I mean I was thinking since he made a MGS reference before that uh, he was somewhere in the MGS timeline like like a random guard or something that doesn't get killed like obviously for uh, whichever side whichever snake is on and I know there are multiple snakes, so whichever one a playable snake is on, because those are the only ones where someone goes, snake, snake, snake. But could be that too. So then uh, it stops raining, and Fisher has an epiphany about where the snake is. Downtown City Park, where we join Blythe and the animals. Everyone but Sunil is excited because they get to play and run around. But Sunil is afraid of puddles and the humidity in the air is making his fur messed up. Why is only his fur being messed up? I have to wonder this. Because, like, 
it's acting like like it's a specific fur thing or hair thing like like is like the level of humidity like frequency of sound where some frequencies can shatter glass it just has to be a very specific frequency so it's like a very specific humidity that frizzes up Sunil's hair as opposed to uh, Zoe or Russell or any of the other mammals and that's just a tad odd when you think about it. So the cobra creeps up and we can see his shadow and he says he likes it here and that it's just like home and not like that pet shop at all. He then slithers off. So the biscuits are complaining about being dragged along to the park, but Fisher reminds them that uh, they let out the cobra in the first place, costing him money so they have to help. Fisher complains that there's no maintenance person when you need one. So they get off the bridge they were on. And then two maintenance workers walk up and said that the rain was kind of eh. But uh, they're grateful for it because they don't have to hose down the sidewalks. Because, you know, it was raining. The other one says, yeah, but... That reservoir looks like it's about to burst. And then right when he says it, the reservoir bursts. Also, I do want to point out, reservoir also sucks to spell. Although it is a French word. So, I mean, if I were creating this word for use in English, I would just say... R-E-S-I-V-W-A-R. Res-I-V-W-A-R. But English is a funny language, and it gets even funnier when the French took over and injected some of French into English. That is one of the reasons English is tricky. There's there's a lot. So, um the two maintenance workers uh decide to just leave before they get in trouble and then walk away whistling. And I just think the scene is just really funny. It's just like like uh in the first episode of Phineas and Ferb the roller coaster episode where Candace finds a poster for Phineas and Ferb's roller coaster but then two kids just come down and take it down (laughs) it kind of reminds me of that in tone because it's like something happening to make sure the plot progresses but it's done so nonchalantly that like it's just something that happens i i enjoy jokes like that so then blythe and the pets are on a bridge that has not 
been taken by the reservoir waterway yet. And Blythe takes them off their leashes. Sunil is complaining about the humidity some more, saying his parents would find uh, this uh, humid appearance not great. But just as he's saying that, the river from the broken reservoir wall rushes down and sweeps up Sunil, taking him away in the current. So Sunil continues down the flood current and uh, tries to save himself by first grabbing a fish who just smacks him. He then climbs onto a rock but uh, is taken by the flowing reservoir again and finally grabs onto a branch and pulls himself onto dry land. He then kisses the ground and is thankful. However, a tribe of raccoons meant to look like Native Americans, I think. Because they have feathers in their hair and like some clothing styles that replicate some Native American things. Look, this is hard for me to explain just as hard as it is for you to hear it. This is weirdly racist. Weirdly casually racist. Uh, like, I don't I don't know the heck they were thinking. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure they didn't mean it negatively, but it just, it just happens. Like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but this is weird. This is really super weird. Sunil tries to leave, but the raccoons won't let him. And then uh, when they take uh, them to uh, like a fallen tree in the middle of the park, which is their home, a chief raccoon who you know is the chief because they have more feathers than anybody and is wearing more jewelry and wardrobe than everyone else uh, comes in and he starts speaking but it's not in a comprehensive language. This is really, really tricky <laughs> to describe because, like, I, I don't want to say a language isn't comprehensive when, like, it is and I just don't know it. They're speaking, like, gibberish in this. This is super awkward. <laughs> super duper awkward. 
And, like, Sunil does not know what's going on. But then a pigeon comes along. He says his name is Joey Feathers. And he hangs out with these raccoons. Because, and I quote, I'm the only one who can understand the raccoon's gibberish. Like, it, it is very gibber. Like, if you're doing Native American appearance, like, is it better that you're just doing gibberish and not making up a terrible fake Native American language? Or is it worse because you didn't even bother to do any form of research on Native Americans in the New England region for this? Because either way, this is kind of terrible. This, this is like every shade of terrible. Ever. Like, every shade of terrible. Okay, let's 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 calm down. Let's not get you know what. Right, I have it in my notes here as well. We're gonna put a pin in this as well, sort of. And this one's going to go until an episode in season three. But I promise you, I will remember it. Like how I remembered the backpack mention in Trading Places for uh, Missing Blythe. So just bear with me. This, like, I'm going to get into more of why this is wrong. But, like, the show provides one more reason much later. So just 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 put a pin sort of in this area for now, but we'll tackle the rest of it and then come back for like a finishing blow. Like they're on their deathbed and we think we forgot about them, but then we walk in subtly and just put a bullet straight in their head. That's not the best analogy, but I'm talking about an episode with casual racism in it. So, whatever. We're, we're dealing with this. So, Joey says that he's the best friend to the raccoons, and the raccoons just kind of give an eye roll. So I imagine he's actually some kind of weirdo who just hangs out with them because no one else will accept him. And like, hey, at least they can talk to him and get like a bird's perspective. Maybe. I don't know. So uh, the raccoons, according to Joey... And I'm assuming because he also saw this firsthand, are worried because uh, some creature trashed their homes, 
trying to eat them, I believe? They say get to them. I'm assuming they wanted to eat them. Because that's just how nature works. And they want to know if Sunil has seen it. Sunil says he hasn't seen anything except for this. I don't know a good way of putting this into a good context. Because <laughs> it's not. It's not good. <laughs> and then Sunil is wondering what this creature is. And Joey says that it was a cobra, which sets Sunil off. Sunil gets more set off when the cobra returns. The raccoons all hide, and Joey says to be careful while Sunil challenges the cobra to a fight. Dun dun dun. Before we get back to that, though, I did a little bit of research on this. I was wondering, because, like, you know, raccoons are pretty scrappy. Raccoons could mess you up, probably. I was wondering if uh, raccoons could actually fight a cobra. Maybe they can't. I don't know. I found a video. I didn't watch all of the video because I didn't. I didn't want to see the results exactly. But apparently, they do not handle pythons very well. And I know python and cobra are different species of snakes, but generally, they're long, big snakes. So I'm assuming that whatever happens, the result is about the same, maybe. I don't actually want to test this exactly because it, does, it doesn't seem ethical to test. And to be fair, the Python thing I found, it didn't seem like that was a test exactly. I think the context was that like a Python or a group of Pythons got into a community that had raccoons and then the community stopped having raccoons. Oh boy. Weirdly, this is more comfortable to talk about than the racism. <laughs> so, back with the episode, back with Blythe, she takes a head count of the pets to make sure that they're all there. And she realizes that Sunil is missing and is worried. How does it take her this long to realize that? She's technically on the clock. Keeping track of the pets should be her job. Although the logistics of working at the Littlest Pet Shop, I'm not 100% sure about. Because she's like 13 if I added that up correctly, I think. There's no way she's in high school. No matter what Wikipedia says. Okay. Wikipedia says that she's in high school, but I don't believe that for a second. She's like 
maybe four feet tall. Like, at best, she's like 4'2". Now, there are 4'2 high schoolers, but like, she's like three feet. I'm sure she's like a middle schooler and just growing. She's not very tall. And neither are any of her friends. This bugs me. Okay. Okay. Back to the episode. She uh, calms herself down because if she's freaking out, the pets will freak out. But she has to tell the pets. So she goes and tells the pets and warns them beforehand not to freak out. And they promise not to freak out, but they freak out anyway. Now, this might seem natural, but, well, we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) And by a minute, I mean several, but whatever. So, back at Sunil and the Cobra, they continue to stare each other down. The Cobra asks... You're not scared of me? Sunil then says, I am scared of creatures with six or more legs. Loud noises, curtains, avocados, and quiet jazz music. But no, not cobras. Now, as cool sounding as that line is delivered... Wow, way to be rude to Ollie, who you met in the last episode and had a good time playing that homebrew version of my first formal dance. Wow, Sunil, you don't need to be afraid of him. You had such a good time with him. Wow. So Sunil says that he won't let the cobra hurt the raccoons. Joey chimes in and asks to be saved as well. But the raccoons are again kind of just rolling their eyes. Because like. You're kind of annoying Joey. <laughs> so the cobra says. He's just following his instincts. Trying to eat some raccoons. And asks what Sunil is going to do to him. Sunil does like a few moves. Like. You know, to show off. But then uh, he dashes around and ties the cobra up. The cobra retreats, bouncing because he can't slither. And says, this isn't over. Sunil says, it is over. And then turns to see that the raccoons are in shock. Sunil reassures the raccoons that he is not scary or frightening. But the raccoons cheer and then pick up Sunil. Sunil asks Joey, "Okay, that's this is this is weird." Sunil asks Joey if they're going to cook him. <laughs> like, like, okay, there there are layers to this racism, kind of. It's weird. <laughs> like, at face value. <laughs> like, having native 
American-looking things. And have someone who we can kind of relate to. I'm going to get to that more later as well. <laughs> Ask if they're going to cook them. That is super racist. <laughs> that is very, very, very racist. But in the context of these are just animals, raccoons will eat anything that they can get their hands on. They're, they're like that's why they go through the trash because they'll eat whatever out of the trash. But like. When you have them dressed up like Native Americans, this is super weird and very, very terrible. Very, very terrible. But, but Joey says that Sunil is actually their hero and that they're celebrating him. Okay. So, I put this in my notes. It seems like a decent time to talk about the title. So, the title is a play on Heart of Darkness, which I'm not terribly familiar with the story, but after looking through some of the Wikipedia page, it's kind of about race relations and imperialism and how humans are similar but when uh they're divided some might think they're more divided than they actually are i don't know like i said i don't know the story very much or at all really but like Based on that, I can maybe see why that was the case. But, like, at the same time, I don't know if this was intentional or if it's, like, like a word out of a hat thing. Like, they needed to have park in it. And then they wanted to, like, put something in it. And, like, Heart of Darkness was the first thing that popped into his head. So, like, why don't we just swap out Dark with Park? And it's like that. Or maybe it is about how this weird tribe of raccoons living in the park who can't I, I don't want to say can't, although they don't have uh, evidence of this. Don't speak English. Um, like, they're, they're still similar in that they just want to protect their home. And they want to just live happily. And this cobra is invading on them, but like, this mongoose who's also from the outside of this is like no we're not that different maybe it's a weird grab 
it is a weird, weird grab. So back with Blythe, the pets are still freaking out, but then Blythe asks them to stop. And they stop, and Blythe begins to explain what they should do, but Minka is still going nuts. Vinny calls out to her, and Zoe says that they're just done being hullabaloo crazy now, which allows Minka to stop as well. So, in theory, you could have just avoided that this entire time and had more time to look for Sunil, but you wasted time that could have been spent trying to find Sunil just to freak out. Kind of dumb. But, like, this whole episode is just kind of dumb. So Blythe begins to explain what they should do, but Penny Ling signals them to come over to the bushes and asks them to listen in on this. They peer through the bushes to see Fisher talking with the maintenance people, and uh, Fisher is explaining that what he's looking for is from India, and that it is very rare and it will sell for a lot. While the twins are explaining how it's kind of a drag. The maintenance people say that what Fisher is looking for belongs in a zoo. And Fisher gets nervous because like, he wants to sell this thing for profit and not donate it to a zoo because he doesn't get money in the end. Wow. Well, the biscuits are just kind of evil. <laughs> so, uh, the maintenance people say that they haven't seen what fish is looking for and that they also haven't seen the reservoir explode. Which, like, the biscuits are like, what? I didn't mention that. But, like, Whatever. I, I just think that that's, that's funny. <laughs> so, Blythe and the pets think that the Biscuits are trying to steal and sell Sunil. Because he's also from India. And now I kind of have to talk about this. So, here's the thing. Uh, in 2017, a documentary was released called The Problem with Apu which is basically how Apu carries some racist connotations with him and that like Apu is used racistly against actual Indian people and other Southeast Asian people. That's not good. One of the biggest problems addressed is that Apu is not voiced by an Indian person. Sunil is also an Indian character who is not voiced by an Indian person. 
which again is problematic, but I'm not sure how problematic because A, I'm white. Let's just let's just establish that baseline right there. If you could not tell by now, I am very, very white. <laughs> I was even once called the second whitest person that someone else knows. And that is hilarious. So, the reason I'm not 100% sure on why this would be worse is generally because Sunil's race doesn't get mentioned terribly often. It's not like Apu where he's always Indian because you can see his skin tone. Sunil is like turquoise. And like he he has his voice on the entire time which I guess could be problematic but it's I don't know actually because he, he still has his voice on but it could just be not an Indian accent if you're not really thinking about it it's a little hard to tell. I don't know. This is very much confusing to me. Because, again, I'm white. So, yeah. Like, like when it gets brought up, it's kind of pushed hard in a way that's not tasteful. It's kind of when they push feminism hard in this show. It just stops being tasteful at some point. Like in uh, um, Frenemies, they had just the right amount of feminism so that it's good actual feminism. But then in uh, Dumb Dumbwaiter, they kind of push the angle a little too hard, and it just, eh. But we're talking about racism right now, and yeah, it's it's hard because I don't know what it's like, you know to be racist against, so I don't know the exact words I should be saying about what constitutes as racist. Because, like, Sunil has the voice going, but whenever it's not being pushed farther than that, I don't notice it too much but it's there and then it's super there sometimes and 
maybe like they they are just following the trend of Apu. That's not a good trend, apparently. See, I say apparently even because like, like I it it should obviously not be a good trend, but it just isn't for some people because for people like me, I've just grown up with the Simpsons and I've grown up knowing Apu and then just this happens and then it feels like reality shatters when like on our side when on like Southeast Asian people's side it's always kind of been like a dent in the system and it just becomes really hard to talk about and like like even the the person who made uh the problem with Apu Hari Kandablu don't be too impressed I had to look that up said that there are many different reactions to Apu in the Southeast Asian community. Some who were really positive on the character, some who were really negative on the character, but that range isn't exactly the point. The point is more this became a problem. And it needs to be dealt with. And there I go again. I said became. It has been a problem. It has always been a problem. It's just a problem I was not familiar with until recently. I am seriously going so long on this. But there's a lot to be talked about with this. Because, like, we're already dealing with one racist thing. Why not deal with another? So, I mean, I guess to end this, I'll say a few things. One, like, I'm not the best person to be talking about what it's like to be racially prejudiced against. Hell, out of ignorance, sometimes I have said things that were racially hurtful. But when I learned that what I said was racially hateful, I immediately regretted it because I know racism is something that should not be tolerated whatsoever. But I don't know what racism is because I don't know... Because I haven't faced it. It's just kind of weird like that. But... If something is problematic, and I can tell it's problematic, I want to say something about it. And 
it's just very, very weird to talk about. But I think the writers of the show and the producers and directors or whatever of the show, their heart was also in the right place. But like I said earlier, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like you no matter how good your intentions are, if something like this happens, it just happens. And sometimes there's nothing good you can do to correct it 100% for the people who have already felt victimized by it. But maybe you can push onward into the future and... uh Maybe find a bridge to heal the divide eventually and and like just keep pushing forward to tomorrow where where racism is just a thing of the past, hopefully, because like man, this got really serious. Uh, you know, I was going to say, no, that, no, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to put a pin in a third thing for right now. Like, there's like this continuing rant late in a later episode and later this episode, I think, even which because of this for sure is going to be the longest episode so let's get back to the episode so so the pets are all concerned about Sunil and worried that he's scared and alone but then we cut back to Sunil getting the royal treatment from the raccoons. Getting food, returning food that he doesn't want, and asking for food he wants. Getting a foot massage. It's all gravy. Sunil says that it's good to be the king, which Joey agrees with. Sunil says that he is grateful, but he misses his friends and wishes to leave. The raccoons won't let him leave. Because what if the cobra comes back? So the biscuits make their way to the dock where they get onto a pedal boat shaped like a duck where you just deposit a quarter in and you can have it. Fisher hops in, but the twins are a bit hesitant. Fisher makes them and they put on their life jackets and are so embarrassed by them that they say they'll have to leave town and change their names to something like Whiffany and Briffany. That's an actual quote, by the way. This episode is just all over the place in terms of structure and weirdness and not like in uh, the Nest Hats craze or... Blythe's uh, pet project where it's insane but it's just 
in such disarray and disorganization that like it's a little hard to follow and a little hard to keep track of it all but gosh darn it I'm doing it or at least making an attempt so Fisher wants them to pedal the pedal boat and uh, they have not pedaled a pedal boat before. I am saying pedal, by the way. Like, if you don't know what a pedal boat is, it's like a boat that you that has pedals like a bike, which you pedal like a bike. I'm not saying paddle boat because I don't say paddle boat. I say rowboat. You row with the paddle, but it's a rowboat. So, Blythe and the rest of the pets are right behind them and also take a duck boat. Blythe puts on her life vest, and the pets do as well. Why are there six pet-sized life vests in this duck boat? Is this such a common occurrence that they have, like, pet ve pet life vests here now? But the cobra, who is now untied, follows them into the water. Joey says that Sunil will get used to living here in the park. Right. This is just the park. Now... It's a big park, mind you, but it's still a park nonetheless. Like, it's just a relatively small part of a big city, and yet for this episode, the park is treated like it's its own little country of sorts. Maybe to play into the heart of darkness aspect of it. But that's just kind of weird and convoluted. Sunil says he doesn't want to get used to it. And Joey says that the raccoons will lavish him with praise. But Sunil says that he'll miss his friends and all of the good times they had together. Sunil then montages to time spent with friends like Minka getting bugs out of Sunil's hair or Zoe putting on a fashion show for him or Vinny dancing or him tickling Penny Ling or the time uh, Russell and Pepper were playing catch and uh, Pepper, when catching the ball, fell and released a stink cloud which hit Sunil. <laughs> and then after that, which... I guess happened where uh, Sunil was telling them about this where it's diegetic thank you sex Archie for teaching me that word in a way that I can remember it Joey is crying because of how sweet all of that is and says that he gets it Sunil says will you help me now but Joey says no because they're still outnumbered, outplanned. And raccoons could probably 
tank on a pigeon and especially one Joey's size. The raccoon could probably eat that thing whole. <laughs> so back in the river in the park Blythe and company are following the biscuits with Vinny on the mast of the duck, which is the bill. And, um, uh, Vinny says that they don't call me Vinny super ass for nothing. When, uh, Blythe asks, do you still see them? Pepper says that we don't call you that at all. But Vinny thinks they should start because he still has the biscuits in his sights. However, they are heading towards a, quoting Vinny here, spoon in the creek. I guess it's a creek, not a river. Better, but still odd. Russell corrects him to fork, but Vinny corrects Russell to creek oh okay i i i kind of like these jokes because because they're they're well executed in this so Vinny says that they're going left but zoe says she has sunil scent on the right so they head that way to cut the biscuits off at the pass but uh the cobra follows so the biscuit twins don't have a signal on their phones that they have but they still have to share one one dedicated music player with these two really cumbersome one outlet headphones yeah uh and they ask fisher to pull over he thinks that they just have to go to the bathroom but they explain that they don't have a signal and maybe if they have a signal they might get a gps thing going fisher initially thinks that this is dumb but then he says it's brilliant and then lets them off so I'm like 85% sure he did this just so that they'd stop annoying him for a bit. The twins are grateful and Whitney says, we haven't gone this long without a signal. I'm starting to get the shakes. Which you can really tell how awful they are. Like, I mean, I'm on my phone a lot talking to people, but I can go without it. Although that might be... A new generation thing. I don't know. So Sunil keeps trying to leave by moving. But the raccoons keep moving along with him. And then Sunil awkwardly says. You could teach my friend Vinny a few dance moves. Blythe and the pets then find Sunil. And when they reunite. They hug out. You know. They are overjoyed to see Sunil and were worried about him because they thought he'd be scared. Sunil then delivers the sappy line of the only thing that truly scared me was the idea of not seeing you again. Sunil wants to leave but the cobra comes out again 
saying that nobody's going anywhere. Sunil readies himself again, while the raccoons hide again. The cobra says he's prepared for Sunil's tricks, and Sunil says, I won't let you hurt them. Any of them. They stand off, and then Blythe interrupts? And the cobra is confused that Blythe can talk to animals, but once that gets sorted, she says, What are you doing? Why are you attacking my friend? Do you just hate pets or whatever? The cobra just explains that it's kind of a thing that mongooses and cobras are mortal enemies. It's kind of instinctual. So, Blythe... Blythe turns millions of years of evolution on its head and has Sunil and the Cobra introduce themselves. And once they have, Blythe says that they're friends now. Which works. And it is also in this scene, we learn the Cobra's name. It's Steve. It is. This scene is weird. So Steve says he's not going back. And when asked where, he says to that icy pet shop with this creepy lookalike girls. So they deduce that the biscuits are after Steve and not Sunil. But Sunil is caught on the fact that his name is Steve. Which I'm also a little caught on. Huh? That's a tad weird. Alright, back to racist problems. So, like, I mean, I guess it's not uncommon for a person with other heritage to have a name that reflects where they live. Maybe, but... I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. I think I exhausted myself on talking about this specifically. At least for this episode. Like I said, we have a pin for a later episode. And truth be told, I cannot wait for that later episode. But for a completely different reason. <laughs> and that reason is just magical. <laughs> so, yeah. So... Uh, once this, uh, has gone on, they hear the Biscuits complaining about not having a signal, and Blythe has an idea for how to get rid of the Biscuits and how to save Steve from, uh, being sold by Fisher Biscuit. So... The biscuits are tattered and have sticks and mud in their hair from like five minutes of walking. 
maybe 10 in a park why this shouldn't happen this early in I guess the twins are just that averse to nature that they just hate nature so much and nature hates them because I don't know they're so manufactured alright this is another thing I want to bring up quick I keep saying oh the biscuits feel manufactured and like they want to they're parroting the brats which like feels to me like they just want to sell you something where like this show also wants to sell you something but I think it goes beyond just doing that and that's why I say the brats are worse than that but you know back to nature hating these uh, omega level mutants so maybe it's cause like they're unorganic and unnatural cause like they have to be to keep their powers but like maybe nature wants them to not have their powers so whatever nature is available to them will want to mess them up Yeah. Okay. So then uh, they hear hissing and Steve pops out and hisses at them. Which freaks them out and they panic and run away. They run back to the duck boat where Fisher's waiting for them. So either the GPS thing was a good idea in his mind. Or he just wanted a temporary break. So he sees his daughters running out of the bushes and they get on a boat, on the duck boat, push Fisher off, and they start pedaling super hard using either their super strength or super speed that we learned about in uh, the Nest Hats craze. So to pedal the boat, making fear a good motivator for a one-time-a-day use power. So Fisher's on the back of the thing, grabbing onto a rope. And they pedal so hard that Fisher is water skiing without water skis. So then Steve is happy, and the maintenance people come to capture him and put him into a zoo where he belongs, thanks to a tip from Blythe. And that makes Steve all the more happier, because, like, he gets to live in an environment like his own... He gets to eat whatever they feed him instead of disturbing an ecosystem. And hey, a lot of people who aren't creepy and actually like nature can come and see him. So the pets are back at the pet shop and they are asking Sunil about his day and how not scared he was. Sunil says that raccoon kings aren't afraid of anything. 
and they only demand more treats, and then asks for more treats. But Vinny and Pepper say that this King of the Raccoons act won't work on them. So Neil says he's just kidding, and that we raccoon kings are known for our sense of humor, which everybody laughs about. And then, to cap the episode off, Joey is telling Shivers from a Blythe's Pet Project of the Raccoon King and includes all of these positive traits, including that he's not afraid and has a good sense of humor. And then the raccoons are dancing around a totem made to look like Sunil. So, yeah, um... That's that's the end of the episode. Uh, I mean, to begin with, uh, I have an alternative name for this episode that I'm not going to be using as the title because the title obviously has to be... Well, you'll see it. But my second take title, to borrow a term from Flashback Flicks, would be Dances with Raccoons, which is better or worse depending on how you want to look at it. But it's more accurate because it's like an outsider being welcome into this tribe of people. And um, yeah, that's, that's roughly Dances with Wolves. Or Avatar. Wow. Wow, is is Avatar Blueface? That's a weird question. I'm just gonna leave that, because that is a topic that I'm not the best at, as we've seen throughout this episode. So, yeah, in general, this episode is just very odd and all over the place in terms of quality, in terms of, like, pacing and storytelling and what elements are in there. It's just, like, a mess of an episode. And not, like, a beautiful mess, like Blythe's Pet Project or the Nest Hats craze. It's just kind of messy it's not as bad an episode like overall as terriers and tiaras in my opinion but it has weird racist things in it and like I said in Blythe's Crush it's hard to recommend an episode that has weird racist things in it and it it doesn't do enough outside of that in fact this is a focus whereas like the things in Blythe's Crush were you know just two blips on a radar this was just a major plot point and the rest of the episode doesn't do enough to pick it up 
So that is it for this lengthy, lengthy episode of The Littlest Petcast. And even though I say that now, when I'm on season four, I'm going to be laughing at how short this is. <laughs> Just you wait. And uh, that will do it. Uh, yeah, that is it for this episode. And uh, before I say anything else, I do want to point out that today, the day this is getting uploaded onto wherever, it is free comic book day. So if you get up bright and early, go down to your local comic book store, grab some free comics, and maybe buy a few things. And uh, enjoy it, because, hey, it's free comic book day. What's not to love? And if you're listening to this past uh, the day this was uploaded, which is likely, just go down to your local comic book store and buy something anyway, because that's nice. So, that being said, be sure to leave a comment and review on Apple Podcast, on Shout Engine, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go for free comic book day. I'm definitely avoiding the episode when I'm referring to where the RSS feed goes, because I don't want the RSS feed to go into racist places. (laughs) And tune in next time for the episode Palm Reading. Thank you.